0: You know, sometimes all it takes is someone asking us the right question. In her poem, The Summer Day, Mary Oliver asks the reader, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Well, this is what we'll be thinking about today as we wrap up this series we have titled, A Better Way. Today we linger in the Gospel of John chapter 15 where Jesus invites his followers into a better way to live. It's an invitation to abide in Him, to be attached to Him, and allowing that close connection to God to fuel our life's work, which the Bible calls our fruit. Now, this invitation originally came at that final Passover where Jesus flipped the familiar holiday script, saying things His disciples struggled to understand. It was their last meal together before Christ was arrested. And this final meal was the Passover meal fraught with symbolism. Let's start in John chapter 15, verse one. John 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Well, we've got to stop there. Uh, Already the disciples would be confused. Uh, Not that that rabbi referred to uh, Israel's God as his father. He'd been doing that all along. He'd even taught them a prayer where they were to address God as their heavenly father. But now he adds this, my father is a gardener and I am the true vine. Now we 21st century Gentiles easily miss how radical this claim was to any Jewish listener. People who had been taught from childhood that God's vine, the only true vine, was the nation of Israel. The prophets and poets alike had all agreed that God's vine was his chosen people, the Jews. But now, as Jesus passes the cup, he says, No, the true vine is not a nation. It is not an ethnic group. It is not a place. It is a person. It's me, he told them. I am the true vine. Now, Jesus had been saying things all evening that were different, um, even troubling. In chapter 13, he predicted Judas's betrayal and then Peter's denial. In chapter 14, he tells them he's going to go away and they can't come with him. But now, as he passed the Passover bread and the cup of wine, he gave them new meaning as well. The old meaning of Passover had been passed down for countless generations. And the culmination of the Jewish Passover is this meal known as the Seder, which follows an ancient script reminding everyone at the table of that night in Egypt when God spared the Jewish firstborn sons as the death angel passed over. Finally, the stubborn Pharaoh tapped out, and that same day, Moses was leading the Hebrews out of Egypt. Shortly after that, God told his people to commemorate this night, uh, a night that was like no other, with a festival called Passover, where each item on the table, each word spoken, was scripted. But now, Jesus went off script, breaking centuries of tradition and redefining Passover forever by breaking the unleavened bread and saying... This is my body broken for you. He passed the cup of wine and once again changed the tradition radically when he said, this cup is my blood. Whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup at Passover, remember me, not Egypt, not Moses, me. Passover is about me. It has been about me all along. Then he adds the statement we read just now. Uh, Israel, he says, is not the vine. I'm the vine, the genuine one-of-a-kind vine, and my father is the gardener. His father is a gardener. Well, this is beautiful. The Bible presents dozens of images of God. He's a father. He's a creator. He's a sustainer. He's a warrior. He's a protector. He's a king. He's a provider. And now Jesus adds one. God, he says is a gardener. Now, once we read that, we go back to Genesis and we see it. Uh, God has been a gardener all along, at least since he created dirt. God formed the earth, separating the water from the land. And once he created dirt, he started gardening, planting all kinds of vegetation all over planet earth. God likes dirt. He liked dirt so much, he used it as the main ingredient for the first human. Adam, whose name is derived from the Hebrew word for dirt, Adama. All right, back to John 15, where Jesus reminds us that his father is a gardener. And now Jesus takes it further to say that the divine gardener has transplanted his only son like a vine on planted earth. (laughs) Transplanted. Let's start over with that thought. The Father has planted, there it is, His only Son as a vine on planet Earth. There. Well, I hope you're still with me. I hope so, because here's the point The Father's the gardener, the Son of God Himself is the vine, and we are the branches that bear His fruit. Think about that. That's spectacular. God could bear His own fruit without our help, but he, he bears fruit through us, through Jesus, we're the branches of this vine. So this is such a wonderful thought because in Genesis, humans were placed in the garden and now in Jesus, we are the garden. Fruit bearing branches connected to the only true vine. No wonder Jesus could promise never to leave us or forsake us. We're connected to him. He's as close to us as a vine is to a branch. Well, I hope you're tracking with how amazing this is, because no other God in the history of so-called gods has ever promised this level of connection, a a connection where we are an extension of the God we love and worship. Uh, We are nourished by him. We are uh, constantly fed by him. We're protected by him. And all we are expected to do is what any branch is expected to do. We are expected to bear fruit. That's it. Just abide in Him and bear fruit. We don't have to do any of the gardening. We don't have to dig in the soil. We don't have to add the nutrients or keep the pests away. We don't have to manufacture the right mix of rain or sunshine. All we have to do is keep that connection to Him open And that alone will naturally result in good fruit. And fruit is what God expects us to produce. In verse two, Jesus tells us that, the gardener cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So a branch that doesn't bear fruit is unnatural and unhealthy. But even the healthy fruit-bearing branches are pruned each year, making us more and more fruitful as the years go by. So let's think about that. Let's think about God's pruning shears as uh, we reflect on 2020. Uh, 2020 will go down history as a year of pruning. Um, Stop and make an account of the different things that have been pruned away from your branch this year. What did you have in 2019 that has since been cut away? And more importantly, why did God allow this pruning of our, our work schedules, our school routines, our church gatherings? Why are we at home so much more? If God does all things well, if all things work together for good for those who follow after Him, how is this good? How will God work this as part of the overall plan of our lives? Is this a pruning, a cutting away so that later we will bear better fruit? Well, one thing I can already see coming out of this is that as confining a shelter in place has been, as much as it has upset our rhythms and taken away our me time, most families are saying that they've never spent so much time together. More family time, more meals together, more conversations. Yes, more arguments throughout the day, more stress, more getting on each other's nerves, of course. But also, more laughter. Where your kids used to spend all their time with their friends, this year a lot of young people have rediscovered their siblings as friends. 2020 has forced us to stay put way more than we would have chosen. So, especially parents, hang in there. Your children need you more now than ever. You are now not only their parent, you are their teacher, you are their pastor, you are their counselor, you are their coach, and sometimes you're their friend, the only friend in the house. So ask God for the energy and patience you need to lead your little flock through this valley. All right, back to John 15. Let's go to verse 4 now and see what Jesus says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. All right, what was the key word of verse 4? Remain. This word remain, also translated abide, is a key to understanding Christ's instructions in John 15 and actually throughout the whole night. This one word remain, also translated abide, is found seven times in these four verses. What does it mean? It means stay put, stay connected to Christ the vine. A connection that will provide you everything you need for fruit bearing, Now, this connectedness to Jesus is so important because as he said, apart from him, we can't produce what we were created to produce. Sure, we can do some good things. There are many people out there who are not connected to Jesus at all who are doing good things. But the fruit we are called to produce can only be produced if we are connected to Christ. But for us to produce that fruit, the the fruit that looks most like Christ. We have to remain in Christ. We have to abide. Okay, so let's not confuse sitting still with abiding. They're not the same thing because Jesus is often on the move. Abiding is connectedness. Abiding means that when He moves, we move. We move. And this isn't easy for us to stay connected and only go where Jesus is going, and only do what Jesus is doing, that's hard. Uh, I'd much rather have a to-do list, Uh, give me a deadline, and then send me out to do a bunch of stuff for God. And herein lies our challenge. God desires the relational, we gravitate towards the transactional. We'd much rather get busy doing things for God than hanging out with God. How many times have I seen this? A person comes to faith with a great connection to Jesus initially, just like a branch to a vine, only later to get busy doing things for God. They want to feel productive and, uh, and waiting for Jesus to, 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 to prompt them or to, to, to head in a direction starts to feel, I don't know, a little impatient. And so they start moving out on their own, doing things, a bunch of good things for God. But without enough time spent in Christ's presence, without checking in and letting the direction and the nourishment flow from the true vine, the fruit they are offering begins to taste sweaty. It's not that they aren't accomplishing things. It's just not the things God was wanting them to accomplish. Plus, it's only a matter of time before that hardworking, ever-busy believer gets exhausted doing things for God instead of doing things with God. Soon their fruit starts to taste sour as they begin to resent those not working as hard as they are. Those not showing enough appreciation for what's being done. God says, it's not about that. Just abide in me and we'll do what you're supposed to be doing and we'll do it together. Stay connected to God and you'll go where God goes. And when God says, wait, we wait. An active waiting uh, where they that wait with the Lord renew their strength. I was thinking about this this week as I, as I watched Brenda plant her bulbs. She does this every year. These ugly brown blobs that could be confused with dirt clods or, or even small, rotten, dried out onions but she digs them a hole in the ground and covers them up in the dark, rich, moist soil. Now, they don't sprout on the first day or even the first week. But don't be fooled. Just like Christ in that tomb on Friday night, life is already stirring deep in the ground. Soon the tender shoot will break out into the sunlight and then grow very quickly, revealing it to be a a daffodil or an amaryllis. Now, you're like that too, you know. You may feel like uh, God kind of buried you recently. You may feel unproductive, even forgotten, invisible. But God is already working in you, and soon it will be evident. You'll break through, and people will see the beauty of what God did in you during this season. Soon, they will taste the fruit. But friend, this will never happen if you don't abide in Him. Staying connected, And waiting for the season when you will bear the fruit that only comes from your connection to Jesus, who came as Emmanuel. And what does that mean? Emmanuel, God with us. And I think God with us is exactly what we need. God with us is what nourishes us. God with us is how the fruit will be produced. God with us is all about a connected relationship with God, branch to vine. Now, traditionally, Emmanuel uh, is a Christmas word, but honestly, I think we ought to keep it out this year long after the Christmas tree is on the curb. We need God to be with us as 2020 ends and 2021 opens. So as the year ended, I, you know, I, I sit down sometimes in a journal and I think about it and I have to say that uh, I have needed to stay close to Jesus more than ever this year. Uh, 2020 has been a difficult year to be a pastor. 2020 reminds me of a camp I spoke, of, uh, spoke at uh, in Yosemite at, uh, man, it must have been about 35 years ago. Um, so this other church invited uh, me to come speak to their youth group, and that's what youth pastors always do, because you can get your buddy to come, and, and you don't have to pay him very much. And your buddy's going to basically tell the kids everything you've been telling them, but somehow the kids will listen to you. Uh, so uh, we were at the val- in the valley floor, and Yosemite was kind of a poorly planned camp. Um, and then every evening after dinner, we would go down by the river and find some private space, and I would teach about Jesus. Well, one night, uh, we got down to the river a little late, and it was already getting pretty dark before I started teaching, and no sooner did I started talking, but darkness really fell, and there was no moon that night, and so I literally was speaking into the blackness. And I could hear the kids wrestling around a little bit, uh, but I found out later that about half of them snuck off while I was talking, which is, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, was I that boring? I don't know, but maybe, you know, they just wanted to do something else. Who knows, but I think by the end of it, I probably was talking to a rabbit and a coyote and God knows who, but uh, I got to thinking, that's kind of how it feels looking into this camera and talking to you. Uh, I don't get any feedback. I can't tell even if you're still there. Well, I was feeling sorry for myself, and so as I often do, Uh, My prayer turned into whining, and as I told God how I felt, uh, He responded with very little sympathy to me. Son, He said, I want you to abide in me, just like you're going to tell them to do. I want you to keep doing what I've called you to do. I want you to be faithful. Your best fruit is your preaching. So keep bearing that fruit, even if you wonder if anyone is still out there. Just remain faithful. Stay connected and produce good fruit. So, that's what I'm doing here. But I have to admit, I'd rather be gathering with you in person. I'd rather hear you laughing at my corny jokes or responding to something I said that made you think about the Lord. I gotta tell you, I took our gatherings for granted before, but I never will again. How's it for you? I mean, I bet there are some things that 2020 has taken from you um, that uh, maybe you took for granted. Maybe you won't again. But one thing that you, you simply cannot allow is to sit around and just gripe about that. Uh, you can't allow the, uh, for this unusual season to rob you of your connection with Jesus either. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. The Holy Spirit is reminding you to stay closely connected to Jesus, to spend some much needed time with him. I mean, be honest with yourself right now. How much time have you spent this month talking to Jesus, listening to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, sitting with Jesus, meditating on his word as a way to calm your troubled heart or to seek direction? Jesus speaks to you today. Remain in me, and I in you, because apart from me, you won't bear good fruit. The best fruit is only produced because of the branch's connection to the vine. All right, uh, this word fruit, uh, this is an interesting word. We probably ought to uh, define it better so that it's not vague. It's mentioned seven times in these seven verses. Fruit is anything and everything that our life produces both good and bad, sour and sweet. Our actions are our fruit, our decisions, our words. These are our fruit, our reactions, how we speak to others, how we use our gifts and our abilities to serve others, how we choose to invest time or money. Uh, All of our relationships are our fruit. The person you are intentionally discipling is your fruit. Oh, wait a minute. Are you intentionally discipling someone? Yeah, I think we need to step that up. And your number one disciples are your own children, if you have children, and they are definitely our fruit. Now, personal fruit inspection should be an ongoing process. A person who once bore great fruit may now be very bearing very little. So we all need to ask ourselves, what good fruit? is coming out of how I've been living each day. Is the fruit I bear sweet or is it sour? Is it sparse or plentiful? Is it nourishing or poisonous? Have I allowed my fruit bearing to go on pause until life goes back to normal? Well, let's look at verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Can I remind you that right after he said this, he was taken from them, brutally crucified and buried in a tomb. They went into hiding as as they had no idea in the confusion uh, uh, of what has just happened. Yet Jesus' command was, I want you to bear fruit, even in those times. Now, Earlier in this series, we remind ourselves of what Jesus said about how our love for each other reveals us to be His disciples. Now He says that something else identifies or, or reveals to other people that we are His disciples. Look again. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our fruit identifies to other people that we are Christ's disciples. The world is watching our actions way more than they're listening to our preaching. And they are expecting those who claim the name of Christ to be like Christ. Simple question. Would anyone overhearing your recent conversations naturally assume that you were a Christ follower? If they followed you on social media, would they they say, that's what Christ would have posted? Would they consume fruit that tastes like fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul laid out in Galatians 5? The Holy Spirit, Paul says, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, is this anything like what your life has been producing lately? Friends, I'm not just saying this today because I want you to to represent Christ better, even though I do want us all to represent Christ better. I'm saying this for your sake as well. Like Jesus said that night at dinner. Look at verse 11. I have told you this, he said, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow, that's crazy. Jesus didn't say, I've told you this so you get out and get busy for God. He said, I told you this so that you guys would have joy even when you're sorrowing, even when you're not feeling happy, even when you don't understand what's going on. I want you to have complete joy. I want it to complete you. Um, this word translated into English as complete is a Greek word that also means to fulfill. I want my joy to fulfill you. uh, uh Another definition is, and, and this one takes some explaining, is to fully preach. I want my joy in you, Jesus said, to fully preach. Now, this is such a cool thought, that our joy should fully preach our gospel. Like Paul and, uh, like Paul and Silas' joy, at midnight in Philippi, uh, they had been arrested, they had been beaten, they had been shackled in prison, but refusing to be robbed of their joy... They're singing. Their joy preached volumes to both inmates and the jailer. Their joy kept them preaching even when they were confined, even when they were suffering. And in that midnight darkness, the light created by their joy shone bright. Friend, are you listening? 2020 has not given us a lot of joy But when did we start giving ourselves permission to let circumstances set our mood? Why is it that we of all people are complaining every day like everyone else, waiting for everything to go back to normal when the new normal presents such terrific opportunities for gospel, opportunities for our joy to be different, for our joy to preach. It's time, friends, to let our light shine brighter than ever. It's time for us to stop whining and start worshiping, making sure our connection to the true vine isn't kinked. In just a few weeks, we're going to be singing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. We'll sing, increase the sounding joy. But I hope between now and then, we can all experience increased joy, allowing Jesus to make our joy complete. Why don't we stop waiting for our circumstances to improve before we can be fruitful again? Let's stop waiting for a vaccine or a government-mandated color that gets us back out there. Out there is not where our joy ever came from anyway. Our joy comes as we abide in Christ. I think we have been given a tremendous gift during shelter in place, and I hope you don't squander it. That you use this season to let your connection to the true vine produce abundant fruit. It's true. We would not have chosen for this year to have turned out like it did. But God allowed it. And since he does all things well, we've got to daily ask, what is he up to? Well, one thing he's up to is to stay connected to us and for us to stay connected to him so that we can bear good fruit. In verse 16, Jesus told them, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. All right, one more quick thought. It's a beautiful one. Uh, Before we share communion, uh, fast forward from Thursday night uh, at that final Passover through Friday and Saturday to Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene has spoken to angels uh, at the garden tomb and then alerted the disciples to Christ's missing body. After Peter and John investigated the tomb, finding it empty, they left. But Mary lingered. And that's when she ran into Christ. But she didn't recognize her beloved teacher. She thought he was the gardener. Now, in a way... She was right. He is a gardener. And he still is. Like father, like son. I think Mary correctly saw Jesus for who he is. One who digs deep into the soil and plants us. Caring for us as a gardener as he watches us grow. Nourishing us, protecting us, and enjoying us. When Mary first met Jesus, she was a mess. A tortured soul. But over that past The past three years he was with her, he had rescued this plant to become a prized thing of beauty. She was already bearing fruit, and that would continue for the rest of her life. I wonder how many of us have also been rescued like that and repotted in better soil by an expert gardener. Be reminded today that he is still working in his garden, and he who began a good thing will carry it on to completion. Mary Oliver asks us, Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And we respond, we will remain in Christ and bear good fruit. Well, that's enough teaching. Uh, Let's take communion together. Take a moment now to reach for the bread and the cup, and let's celebrate these things together. Hmm. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the, the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. It takes a different meaning uh, this year because we feel fractured, we feel broken, we feel broken. This is how we gather as a church. Um, You're there with yours, and I'm here with mine. It's the best we can do. But honestly, the meaning it takes on is great because no matter where we are in the world today, as we take this bread or cracker or whatever it is you grabbed, we communicate to ourselves that we're part of one body, the body of Christ. We communicate that on that cross. His body was broken." You know, broken also uh, is a word that we use for humbled. And uh, I think the church has been humbled this year. Um, Some of our reactions to things that have happened in society uh, haven't necessarily been that good. I don't know that Christians have really shown during this season. I think communion would remind us to humble ourselves before God and our neighbors and to remind ourselves that we're here to represent Christ and to serve him well among each other and among our neighbors. So that's the bread. And then Jesus took the cup, the wine, and we've been talking all throughout the service about vines and branches and the fruit of the vine is the, is the grape and the wine that's produced. And Jesus took the cup of Passover, and He passed it, and He said, This cup from now on represents my blood. And as often as you drink it, as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, I want you to remember me until I come. So this cup is a cup of remembrance. Uh, It reminds us that blood has been shed so our sins could be forgiven, and that we're not on our own. As we abide in Him, uh, his blood flows through our veins. And uh, as we taste this, this, this wine or juice or whatever you've, you've got there, that taste in our mouth is going to remind us that uh, we need to leave a good taste uh, in the mouths of the people that we come in contact with, starting with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then going out into the world. That our communion with Christ would make our communion with everyone else all the sweeter. Take the bread. Take the cup. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for your body broken for us. Lord, help us to be the body of Christ with you as our head. And Lord, as we drink the cup, we thank you for the forgiveness of sin. We all need it, but it's there for us. Let's drink together. And Lord, let that taste go with us throughout the rest of this day as we remind ourselves who we are and whose we are. And now the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord watch over you and the Lord protect you, encourage you, strengthen you. May the great gardener cultivate the soil all around you so that you will grow and bear good fruit, fruit that will last. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.